Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life with the Lizenbees. I'm Sammy. And I'm Hunter. In today's episode, we are talking about how to budget as a new couple. We're going to dive into three main topics in today's episode. Topic one, how to create a budget. Topic two, how to plan for unexpected expenses. And topic three, living in abundance on a budget. Let's do it. Stick with us for the entire podcast for an action step at the end to challenge you in creating your budget with your partner. So when Hunter and I first got married and our bank accounts became joined and we got to see how much money we had, who was spending the most money, uh, there was one time that Hunter and I were at the mall. I will never forget this. And we're at K Jewelers and I'm getting my wedding ring cleaned and we're the ladies, you know, pitching me, trying to sell me something. And she goes, do you want to open a K credit card today? And my immediate response is, Heck yeah, of course I do. Cause she's like, you're going to save this much money and get this much benefit. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't I want to do that? And Hunter looks at me and like pulls me aside and he's like, no, we don't need to do that. We're, we're not going to do that. And I was like, why Hunter? There's like all these benefits. Like this is such a smart decision for us. And you basically were like, we're going to have this conversation in the car and I'll explain to you why it's not a good idea for us to keep opening credit cards at places we don't need credit cards at. And I think after that first year of marriage, I had probably like 15 credit cards. I was going to say, yeah, you probably had like what, 10 to 15 credit cards <laughs> to, to like all Target, these different places. to like Bath and Body Works, to like everywhere. Bed, Bath and Beyond. It was like everywhere. And Anyone I was like, that what is happening? If a salesperson at a store was like, do you want to open a store credit card? I was like, heck yeah. I just, I didn't know what or why it was a negative thing. Not saying it is a negative thing, but just saying like, from my perspective, I was like saying yes to yeah. all of them. When you first get married, you should really talk about finances. Me and Sam didn't really talk about no, them. We kind we of didn't. just like saw the extra money that came from our parents when we went to college and we were like, ooh, we have some money in our bank account. And we went from there. Um, and of course, we didn't have any issues until that money started draining. And then we were like, hey, we got to pay bills this month or hey, we got to do this this month. And it started draining because we didn't we weren't tracking. We knew how much money we were making, but we didn't know where our money was going. We were eating out. We were getting coffee. We were just spending it like on all of these different things. And we were not tracking how much we were spending till after a year. I think finally we were like, holy crap, we are spending way too much it's not matching with what we're making. And we didn't realize that we were actually pulling from savings just about every month. So here are three questions to ask yourself um, if you are a couple or a person listening to this. Question number one, do you and your partner argue over finances regularly? Question number two, do you often cringe when you see your partner buy items that you believe are a waste of money or vice versa? And question number three, is your partner generally happy with what he or she owns or is there a constant insatiable desire to always need more? And what about you? Like, are you always needing the coolest, newest thing? Three questions to ask yourself there. That's some tough questions right there, especially to start it off. Because I mean, at the end of the day, we all think about money totally different. Yep. Um, and I want to point out when we start this podcast, we are not going to sit here and tell you how to make money. We're not going to tell you the best way to make money. There is no crazy cheat code to it. 
But and we're not finance experts. No, we're not. We're not at all. We're going to tell you to go get a financial advisor because we're not that. We have a financial advisor. (laughs) We We finally got one this year. And man, she's awesome. She has helped us learn how to plan for retirement, manage our money so much better. Hunter and I are not experts. Take our testimony. Really, that's what it is. We're sharing our testimony with you and things that we've learned. um, However you choose to. But we're not financial experts that are trying to tell you what to do with your money. Yeah. So ultimate goal is we just want to make sure that your marriages are aligned um, when it comes to finances. So we're going to try to start real quick with these questions that Sam just asked. I'm going to go ahead and answer them. And I think it'd be kind of funny. Be be cool to see how we answer them together. So do you and your partner argue over finances regularly? Um, not anymore. Not anymore. I definitely think in at the, the last beginning, two years. No, like our first two years, it was rough. It was Very like rough. Because it was like, hey, why are you going to Starbucks? We can't pay the light bill this month. Or, <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, I don't want to say that. We, we were able to pay our bills every month. But, I mean, it was definitely a little scary there for a second, especially whenever we were doing full-time school, full-time work, and you yeah. were starting your businesses, and we weren't, you know, making extreme income. And luckily, we lived in that little 500-square-foot apartment that we've talked yeah. about, and that didn't cost much, so that helped a lot. Um, yeah, but we don't, if I don't you think we argue do as much. argue with your spouse over finances currently, that's why this podcast is for you. Because Hunter and I have been there. We have been the couple that has argued over finances regularly. We've been there. We don't, honestly, anymore. We have a really good budget communication yeah, system. We're aligned. We're aligned. But um, if you are arguing over finances, we're here to help you. We're here to tell you what helped us not make that a center uh, issue in our marriage. So the answer for now is no. Um, but question number two, do you often cringe when you see your partner buy I- items you believe are a waste of money? Heck yeah. Y'all yeah, want to know some things day. Hunter's bought over the years? Ping pong table. He's bought a telescope. He's bought some <laughs> different golf mats and equipment. A little nerdy equipment. self has come in. He's bought so many stupid, useless things. Hunter is an impulse hey, buyer, you they're guys. they're not useless. We will be at a store and there would be months where Hunter's like, Sam, we do not have any extra. No, no, no. Hold on. Let's make sure. No, no, no. Let's, let's point out. I do not spend money at all. Like literally at all. It's literally only to play golf. And that's it. But other and to right your defense, now, I haven't yes. played. I haven't you are, spend money you on are golf, a splurge but. buyer. So you don't spend money every single month on yourself. But if six months go by and then you see a really this expensive thing that true. we're at Dick's Sporting Goods and you're like, oh my gosh, Sam, that's the super 5300 driver that like Jordan Speed uses. Can I get it? It's like $500. And I'm like, what? Hunter has purchased things that he does use and need. Like, Hey, but don't I always awesome. sell them for pretty decent once I'm done once with it? Once you're done. We did sell the ping pong table for a good telescope. price. We sold it. Oh my gosh, the pool that we got during COVID. Now nah, you love the pool. Come on. I now. did. Was I was in the purchase. pool every day. Scroll back on my Instagram. You'll see pictures. I literally just went on Walmart that day and I was like, what are we going to do while COVID's going on? I went and bought a pool. A little, <laughs> Needless little, to huge. say, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of cringe moments over impulse purchases that my husband has bought and I've just bit my tongue and been like, whatever, he doesn't typically spend money on himself. So have fun with it, even though I knew he wasn't going to use it very long. 
Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I'm the same way with you. I mean, I think the only time I really like Go ahead, cringe, tell people all the things no, you've cringed over. I think the only time I really cringe is if we have something that month that's big, like whether it's you're going out of town, I'm going out of town, or we have a big trip planned and we know we're going to spend more than what we usually spend. That's when I'm like, hey, maybe next month we'll wait till we right. buy that or um, whatever. But I would say... Again, I don't think most... it's as bad as it used to be, but we're making a little bit more and we've also have a budget now and we know how much yeah. we're spending each month. So I think it's a little different. Spending $7 at <clears throat> Starbucks, like, you know, every day for a solid year probably made you cringe really hard. Yeah, and, that was tough. Um, those days are over. Um, so don't have to worry about that. But... It's normal if you cringe at your partner's purchasing yeah. decisions. Um, we've been there. But now we have good communication and we talk about it. Is your partner happy with what they own right now? Or are they constantly complaining and want something new or always desiring something? Um, I say we are better in than that. we used to be. Because um, I remember we moved into the current house that we're in. We're in a lake house. It's beautiful. It's three bedroom. We're on the lake. And it's like a real like, you know, there's docks, there's boats. And a year in, we're like, what's our next house? What's our next biggest house? What's the next place we're going to go? What's this? What's that? Instead of just enjoying how far we've come and talking about this beautiful house that we own now. And yeah. it's our first house that we own. So yeah. um, I think we were really always trying to look for the next biggest thing. Yeah. And then I think it hit us like, hey, let's appreciate with what we have and understand it's okay that... If this is what if this is it, then we're okay. Yeah, and I tell myself that all the time. If this is as good as it gets, can I still have joy in my circumstance or where I am right now? Like if this is the best house that we will ever have for the rest of our life, if this is the amount of money that we're gonna make for the rest of our life, am I content? Is God still good? And if the the answer should be yes. And if you can see that the answer is yes, then you need to find joy in your current season, you know, where you are. I would say that for a few years, I personally, I don't know for Hunter, but I personally struggled with my identity being so caught up in the world because of social media and society. You know, you see in college all of these people that are, you know, trendy, buying all the new clothes, buying all the cool things and getting the new cars and you want to be like them. You want to be cool. You want to be trendy. You want to be popular. I really struggle with that when I was in high school and when I was in college. And now the last, I feel like few years, I've really started to embrace like more minimalist, simple things. Um, like I want to just have a more simple life and not chase after the coolest, new, trendiest thing. Yeah. I mean, just personally for me, I feel like my identity used to be wrapped up in all of that. But I think once I focused my identity on who Christ said that I was and that I was still beautiful and worthy and amazing, regardless if I had all the coolest, newest things, that changed everything for me. Because when you're on social media, you always feel less than. You always see the bigger house, the cooler car, the friend that has more things than you. And you go, my life sucks. I wish I had all those things. Yeah. And I think it's okay to have those goals. There's a difference between having goals and not being okay with where you're at and then having goals and being okay with where you're at. Um, I think having the goals is necessary so that you can continue to build your you wealth grow. and you can continue to build your success, build your family, build whatever you want, are building at the time. But you just have to be with content with where you're at. Um, and we'll talk about yeah. that a little bit later in this podcast. Um, but again, I, I, I want to explain that our goal of this podcast is really just to make sure your marriage is really aligned. Um, we're going to read some stats for you guys that are pretty crazy. Um, just because I, I mean, I'm 
they're not that crazy because when I look at our first couple of years of marriage, it wasn't easy. It's when we didn't, we, when we weren't aligned in how we budget, we weren't aligned with what our goals were. Um, we, it caused so many arguments and those arguments were never fun um, because there's no way of settling them until you're making more money or until you really talk about the finances yep. um, that you're dealing with. So according to a new survey by Ramsey Solutions, money fights are the second leading cause of divorce behind um, infidelity. There's a lot of people getting divorced because they can't communicate properly about money. And they're hiding money from their spouse. They have secret purchases that they're making, different credit cards, not joint bank accounts. I mean, that's going to set you up for failure right out of the gate. The second stat is, according to Jeffrey Dew of the National Marriage Project, couples who reported disagreements about finances once a week were over 30% more likely to divorce over time than couples who reported disagreements about finances a few times per month. So there's a lot of couples that are arguing every single week about their finances. Every day, every week. Every day, every week. It's a constant pressure, constant issue. The bills are piling up. They're in debt. Um, I mean, when you just look at the debt statistics of our nation, that's huge. Because if there was, when I was looking at these statistics, there were even more statistics about your debt ratio leading to divorce. Because the more debt you have, the more stressed you are, the more you feel like you can't get ahead and you can't pay off that debt. So the more debt you have as well as a married couple puts even more strain on your marriage because you're like paying off debt, which no one wants to put their money towards debt. No, no. there's one good thing about when it comes to arguments about money. You both care. You both care where your money's going. There's not one person who is on one side and is like, I don't care. I I just have a card and it swipes and it gets, you know, accepted. We're good. And then there's that other one who's like really cares. I think that's the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are arguing, I could say there's good news to that because you both care about where your money. And in our last podcast, we talked about disagreements. And at the end of the day, we talked about this in the last podcast when it comes to disagreements and when it comes to your money and your finances, you both want what's best for you both when yep. it comes to that. So let's find a way. Let's find how we can solve this. Be let's figure out, be a team. I mean, we've talked about it a million times in a marriage. It's about being a team and it's about figuring out those finances. So when we were talking about money fights and the divorce statistics, it literally just popped into my head of like a really common money fight that I think people have is when For example, Hunter works a full-time corporate job. I am a stay-at-home working mom. I have different businesses that I run um, to bring in extra income for my family. But if I wasn't doing that and I was just a stay-at-home mom and I wasn't bringing in any income for our family and Hunter was working a full-time corporate job, I think a lot of money fights start because um, there's this like pressure to both be contributing equally to the family. And so often sometimes there can be fights around like, well, because you as a stay at home mom or stay at home dad or whoever is like watching the kids may not be working a job at that time, bringing in money, that person could feel less valuable to the family because they aren't contributing financially, even though they're raising the kids, that is just as valuable than going to work a full-time corporate job. I think that is the One of the biggest things you need to have a conversation about, especially if you are a dual income household with no kids, like me and Hunter were, Hunter and I were dual income, no kids. And then all of a sudden kids come in and it's like, what are we going to do? Are we, am I going to be a stay at home mom? Am I going to go back to work after having, you know, the baby? Am I going to find something to do from home? What worked best for us is me finding a, uh, a, something I could do from home so I could still bring in income 
but be a stay at home. Well, mom. we kind of planned for that. Like your whole we purpose of being a business owner was that you could eventually be a mom that was also a business business owner, not having to go and to a job. We talked every about day. that right when we first started dating. Yeah. And that's a conversation I think you need to have when you first start dating. Or if you're married right now, you're engaged, you're dating, and you're thinking towards the future of having kids, talk about that now. When you have kids in three, five, ten years, do do you want to be a stay-at-home mom? Do you want to be a stay-at-home dad? Like you got to start something now to build up that income. So by the time that you do have kids, you have an a stream of income. We did. Yeah, and kind of leading up to that too, um, you need to understand that your spouse's income is your income and your income is your spouse's income. You're equal. You're equal. That money that comes into your bank account, yes, you may have worked 80 hours for that money, but when you get married, again, people have disagreements with this, but from my perspective and from Sam's perspective, our money is our money and doesn't matter who's bringing it in at the time. If you can establish that whoever is making the most money, it doesn't matter. You both are using that income for your family. That's huge because I think a lot of times if it's a stay at home mom, the husbands are like, you don't get any money. This is my money. I brought this in. This is that. That's a tough one. I, I, I personally disagree with that. When you get married, it's your family's money. Don't let that be a focal point of arguments. And the way you don't allow it to be a focal point of arguments is you establish before you have kids. And when that transition happens, who is upholding the responsibility of possibly staying home with the kids, which is a full-time job. You just unfortunately don't get paid for it. Um, and who's going to be the one that is, you know, going out and having a full-time job to bring in for the family, figure out what's going to work best for you and for your family. Like, cause like we said, two parents could work a full-time job, put their kid in daycare and that work for them. One parent could work a full-time job. One could stay home with no money. One could work a full-time job. One could stay home and have side businesses. Figure out what you want, what's going to fulfill you the most, what's going to work best for your family, and start a plan now. So by the time you have kids, Hunter and I were working for five years to put ourselves in a good position by the time we had kids. Five years. I was thinking ahead of when I'm 24 and I have my first baby, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. In order to do that, I need to be bringing in an income from my phone from home. So it's like, don't start thinking about it once you get pregnant or once your baby comes. You need to think now, if you don't have kids, how you're going to set yourself up in that position. If one person doesn't care as much about the money and the other person does and one person does all the budget, I think they should always meet in a neutral area. Um, Just simply because if you are walking out the house and kids are screaming and your wife's right there and you're like, Hey, we're not spending money today. Remember we can't do this. We can't do that. Can't do that. That is not the time to approach finances. No finances need to be approached when you two are alone, when the kids are down, if you guys want to schedule a dinner, get a babysitter, have dinner and over that dinner, talk about the budgeting. Right. Um, it's meeting in a neutral zone. It's meeting in an area. You both are, are not comfortable or you both are comfortable. Yeah. Um, when you're in a situation where one's not comfortable and the other one's not comfortable, or one's comfortable, vice versa. Um, it just leads to arguments that aren't needed. And that's not the time to talk about the budget. The budget needs to be talked about when it's just you two, whenever you're in a neutral setting, whether it's out to dinner or after the kids are down. There's going to be times where um, one person is 
more of the budget person. They pay the bills, they focus on those things. Um, and then there'll be the other person that kind of is just like, oh, you told me I can spend this much. All right, cool. Um, I would say for us, we are both very aligned. Um, and I think why it's because of the budgeting app that we have. We use um, every dollar, every dollar. Yeah. The every dollar app. I mean, it's great being able to see everything written out in front of you, being able to just see it in front of you is a big difference. In our first couple of years of marriage, we did not do that. We literally just swiped the card. We saw what we needed to pay. We saw what we needed to do. Um, I do think we did great with joining bank accounts right away. Um, so what we did, we had two checkings. We had one where all the bills came out. We had one that was all funny, all fun money. And then we had a savings and then we had like a emergency savings. So we had two savings and then two checking accounts. And we kind of went from there. Yep. We were fine, but the issue was we didn't have our budget written out. Um, and the cool thing now with these apps back then they had to write everything out on paper every single month and they had to see how much they're spending this month and how much they were doing this much month. But in these apps, you can even pay for them you don't have to pay for them. We don't pay for ours. Ours is free. Yep. We just enter everything manually. It's yep. almost like doing your taxes every single week, but it's super easy. It's like every time we make a purchase out in public, me, me or Hunter immediately pulls out every dollar. Yep. Hey, and if we forget spent. at the end of the week, we look at each other and we say, cause we do like a weekly check-in marriage check-in and we're like, Hey, did you update your every dollar this week? So it's like one of us is holding each other accountable, but we just, once you build the habit, once it becomes a routine, just like, brushing your teeth, working out. Once it's a routine, you're going to do it every purchase. And then it's not going to be so like forgetting about it. Now, how we actually create our budget and how we spend and how where we put our money. Um, what we did before when we first started was 80, 10, 10. I'm sure you guys have heard that rule. Um, it's living off 80%, saving 10% and then giving 10%. Um, that worked well for us. Um, I wouldn't say it didn't, but over the last year or two, we've changed to now where we're 70, 10, 10, 10. So we're living on 70. Um, we're saving 10%. So what we call the, uh, the saving, it's like an active investment. Um, so this active investment is putting money into something we see right away or putting into... Um, like the Acorns app. Acorns app, um, real estate. That's your kind of active. Life insurance. Life insurance. Yeah. It's, it's different things that that savings is going into. I mean, also you have your other savings and whatever else. That's what that 10% is going to. And then we have another 10% that is the passive investments. That's where that life insurance, by the way. Oh, okay. um, that's, that's where that retirement investment. Correct. Yeah. So that's going to be your retirement area, your 401k, your Roth IRA. And then your last 10% will be your giving. Um this is a huge disagreement in a lot of people and I get it. It's tough. It's not easy. We'll talk about it a little later in the podcast, but giving 10%, um, me and Sam, no matter where we have been financially, we've made a thousand dollars in a month and we still gave a hundred dollars. Um, every single month we've always get always have given. And if we forget one month, we'll double the next month and make sure that we give the certain amount that we were supposed to give. Um, in Proverbs thirteen twenty two, it says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Now, how do you leave money for your children's children? It's by gaining wealth and building wealth. Um, and I think the 70, 10, 10, 10 will help. There's other ways you can do it. Um, that 70, 10, 10, 10 is by Jim Ron. That's who we found it from. Um, and again, there's other things that you guys can look at. This has worked well for us though. Um, and then lastly, just estimating all expenses so that you can see where you have at the end of the month, we've had our fair share of unexpected expenses and you can kind of share those, Sam. I mean, they happen like all the time, like almost every month there's an unexpected expense. I'm sure you can relate listening to this right now, right? Like 
my radiator blew on my car a few months ago, boom, cars in the shop for a month, $1,000 dropped. My daughter had to go to the emergency room in November, boom, another $1,000 dropped. Our washer and dryer broke, so boom, $2,000 dropped. Like you can't plan for these things to happen, but what you can plan for is to have a emergency savings for these things. If you don't plan properly for these things, you will go into debt. You will go into so much debt and it will feel like you can never get ahead. It'll just feel like you can get by. And your first response when an unexpected expense happens should not be, well, let's just charge it to the credit card. If that's your first reaction and your first response when an unexpected expense comes, that's not a good habit. You have to break that habit and have an emergency savings fund that when an unexpected expense happens, you goes, oh, no worries. We've saved $2,000 this year that we can pull out for this emergency. And one of the ways that you can prepare yourself to have an emergency savings fund is obviously you're following the rule that Hunter just shared, the 70, 10, 10, 10 rule. So you're always saving 10% at least of your income every single month. So you and your spouse combined, let's say make $4,000 a month, 10% of that is $400. So if you are saving $400 a month for a year, that is $4,800, $4,800 that you can have for when your washer and dryer breaks, when your tire blows out, when your kid goes to the hospital. That's one way. You should be always saving 10% of your income, but what if you also had a side hustle? What if you had an extra stream of income through an online business, through an Etsy shop, through an online course, through something fun that you do in person where you're bringing in even just an extra 500 bucks a month? Let's say you're bringing in an extra 500 bucks a month for 12 months. That's $6,000. Add $6,000 plus $4,800 from your income that you were saving 10% every month on. So think about that. What side hustle are you going to start? Go listen to our Young Entrepreneurship Podcast where we talk about advice and tips of how to create something you're passionate about. If you have three months worth of savings, that should give you enough time to, to get be able job. to get a new job Figure and to cover all your expenses for your living situation and not have to worry. I mean, because if you left, lost your job right now and you only have a month's worth of savings, it's not easy to get a job You're in gonna a month. You're going to be stressed. It's going to be stressful. That's what COVID did to people. Yeah. COVID screwed <laughs> half of America over. The Bible talks about the importance of savings in Proverbs 21, 20, it says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. So basically, uh, wise people are going to store up food. They're going to store up oil. They're going to be smart for when the drought and the famine comes, when they don't have water and they don't have food. But foolish people are going to devour all the food and all the oil and get rid of it because they're greedy and hungry and selfish, and they're not thinking towards the future. So don't be like the foolish man in the Bible. You got to discipline yourself in your finances. Think towards the future. Hebrews 12 verse 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have trained by it. Nobody wants to 
take $500 of their income and put it to savings when that could be $500 that you could go on a three-day cruise to the Bahamas with this month. Like, let's just be real. You don't want your money to just go to pay off debt or go to savings. You have to have discipline for your money now to go pay off the things that are not allowing you to live abundantly so that in the future, you can have the income that you desire and that you've worked for to then be able to do the things that you want to do. You got to make small sacrifices now to get what you want. 100%. And I mean, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. If you can be happy with where you're at with your finances now, um, I promise you, you will be very happy because that means you can only really gain. And Philippians 4 19 tells us, and with all his abundant wealth through Christ Jesus, my God will supply all of your needs. That's freaking awesome. God is going to supply all of my needs because it's God's money. He's wealthy. He's the one who is giving me the money to live right now. He's given me the job. He's given me the house. He's given me food and water to live and to sustain life. So when you truly think about money being God's first, and because it's God's money first, we have to steward it well because it's not our money. Now, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian listening to this, that's going to make more sense for you. If you're not, that may be a hard concept for you to grasp or to come by because we're really talking about a biblical principle here that we're going to get to in a second about tithing. What does tithing mean? The word tithe comes from a Hebrew word that is transliterated into English as asar, A-S-A-R. Asar means 10th. So that means God is asking you to give 10 percent of your income first well he says get 10 percent of our life and we could get really deep into that and talk about the 10 percent you should be giving god every single day but that's another conversation for another day and proverbs 3 verse 9 says honor the lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so first fruits first he should be first in every area of your life in your marriage in your finances in your everyday as a parent, I mean, in every area of your life, God should be first. And if you can follow God's plan of what he teaches about giving 10%, living abundantly with what you have, you will be set up for success to create generational wealth, to impact your family for generations to come. Stewarding God's money well is talked about over and over and over again in the Bible. The importance of tithing is very important because, ready? I'm going to bring up this question. If you are struggling financially, the first question you need to ask yourself is, are you honoring God with your finances? Are you giving God the first 10% of your income? If you're not, that could be one of the reasons why you could be struggling financially. What if like my pastor's buying a Porsche or a new Ferrari <laughs> or a gigantic 7,000 square foot house? What about that? My encouragement for you is do not worry about where or how or what your money is being used for. 
You are giving to God in the moment when you tithe that 10%. Your heart position should be- God knows where your heart is. He knows where your heart is. I am cheerfully giving to God's kingdom. I am giving to further God's kingdom, whether that you're giving through a church or giving through a missions organization or your local community. You're giving to further and help that cause. Once you give that money, you should know, Lord, I have given you that first 10%. And guess what? God is going to honor you for that. The money that is in your wallet, your purses, your bank account, it's not your money. It's God's money. God is letting you steward his money, which is truly the Bible's way of saying that God lets you manage his money. (laughs) God's letting you manage his money. That is why it's so important for you to follow God's way of handling money, his money, his role. If your mindset going into tithing is, I'm going to give 10% to God because I want something from him. I want blessings. I want to make more money. I want, want, want. And it's all about you and trying to use God to get what you want. And so you're only going to tithe and you're only going to give because you want something in return. You're trying to manipulate God and it's not going to work. And it's not God knows your heart. He knows your heart. It is not the right mindset to have going into tithing. Imagine if I only wanted to give something to my husband, if he was going to give me something in return, he would never, he would never want to bless me with something or cause it would always be about, well, I'm only giving this to you cause I want something from you. If that you would never do that to your spouse or want your spouse to feel that way. So why would you do that to God? Why would you say, well, I'm only going to give to you, God, because I want something in return? No, God says, come to me as a cheerful giver, humble, living in abundance with where you are. Trust me with this 10% because truthfully, I gave it to you. It's my money. You're stewarding my money. And yes, if I'm being real with you, he will bless you. Th- those blessings will come. It's not going to be on your timing and it's not going to be your way and you can't manipulate God to get it. But tithing is a huge part of what you need to practice doing. And when you do it, you will start seeing more blessings in your life. But that isn't why you should do it. Our encouragement to you is wherever you are in your budget and your finances right now listening to this, you could be really struggling. You could be in a really good position. You can live in abundance wherever you are currently right now. Every month, Hunter and I have a monthly budget meeting and we want to encourage you to have a monthly budget meeting. If you've never done this before, you should have a weekly budget meeting until you really kind of get things going so you can make sure you know communication-wise where your finances are going. But have a monthly budget meeting with your spouse so you can look ahead. You need to be looking ahead to the future. If you are struggling financially right now and you're living paycheck to paycheck and you are honestly feeling like a budget is like gonna hinder you from being able to do all these things that you wanna do, I wanna encourage you to know that a budget is life-giving. It's not taking away from you. It's actually giving you something. What it's gonna give you in the future is it's going to give you more income to do the things that you genuinely genuinely want to do. And when you have a monthly budget meeting with your spouse, you can look ahead to the future. You can say, okay, right now our situation really sucks. We need to get a budget going. We aren't putting any money in savings. We aren't putting any money into tithing. We aren't putting any money into an emergency fund. So we got to start there. And once you start getting those established, then you can say, we really want to take a family vacation. 
And so let's say next year you want to plan a family vacation. And if you saved a hundred dollars a month between now and the vacation time, you would be able to go on that vacation. So having a budget to then put a hundred dollars towards that family vacation every month is going to help you have joy to stick to the budget because you're knowing I have a fun family vacation coming up next year if I stick to saving this $100. And that can help you stay focused on your goals. It can help you stay joyful and know that you have something to look forward to. When we have something to look forward to, we typically don't quit because we're like, well, the trip is coming up. The thing is coming up. So I'm not going to quit on my goals now because I want it to happen. Being aligned in your marriage with the finances is so big. I will keep saying that. Um, and Sam hit it on that. When we first started talking about finances, we did those weekly ones. Now we're at monthly and just we're so aligned now in our finances. And now those arguments are nothing we have to worry about. We don't have to have any disagreements with it. We know where we're at. We know where we stand. And we openly talk to each other about everything. Um, we talked about, you know, having those monthly meetings, having those weekly meetings. It's huge. Start there. Once you have that established, go create that budget. You can use every dollar from uh, Dave Ramsey. It allows you to create a budget. You can pay for the one that actually automatically pulls everything from your bank account, or you can do the free one where you manually enter everything. We do the free one. Works out great. Um, we also talked about the 80-10-10 rule. That's what we started off with. You guys can start that way. There's other different rules out there that you can look up, um, but now we do the 70-10-10-10 rule. We talked about building up that savings, having that three months of savings for your life expenses and then also having 500 plus in your emergency savings. And then we also talked about living in abundance and just understanding that where you're at is okay. You can really accept where you're at and really have joy in where you're at. It'll make your life more happier. And I promise those arguments in your marriage will get a lot better. What we're going to challenge you to today is those questions at the beginning that we talked about. Um, do you and your partner argue regularly over finances? Now, how can you handle that? How can you solve those arguments? Budgeting. Second question, do you often cringe when you see your partner buy items that you believe are a waste of money, vice versa? Answer that. And then the last question to talk about in that meeting is, are you happy with where you are at with what you own or, or do you have this desire to always acquire more? Get deep, talk about that and really find abundance and joy in your current season while also having a goal to work towards what it is that you are desiring and that you want because God cares about your heart desires. Um, but it's important that it brings glory to him and that it's not a selfish self-seeking desire because you just want the coolest car and the brand new house. So our next episode is going to be... Let's talk about sex. Whoa. Let's do it. All right, cool. I'm excited. We had a lot of people, a lot of people submit feedback in my question box on Instagram that said intimacy and sex. I'm about to say the word sex more than I have in like my whole life in this life. next episode. Stay tuned for the next episode where you're going to get all the juicy details on Let's talk about sex. Yeah, don't be too excited, but <laughs> it's going to be a tough one. We'll be releasing a new episode once a week, so be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube and share this episode with a friend that needs help with their budget. We want to hear your feedback from our episode about how to budget as a new couple. So if you have a question that you want us to expand on, send an email to lifewiththelizandbees at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram at lifewiththelizandbees. If you enjoyed this episode, give us a review seriously do it right now right here we would be so grateful as it helps us expand our podcast to reach more people 
Oh, and by the way, keep an eye out on our Instagram because we may be doing a giveaway. So just want to give that a shout out. We are going to do a giveaway. So stay tuned for that at Life with Liz and Bees on Instagram. We'll see you over there. All right. Later. Bye.